Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, critical discussions in critical times. Here's your host, Bill Kelly. Yep, this is the Bill Kelly Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Kelly. I'm so glad you could be with us today. Uh, a very important issue that's been front of mind for many Canadians now for, uh, well, close to two years. Uh, we're coming up uh, in just a few weeks to the second anniversary of the convoy, yes, as it became known, while well, other people had other names for it. Uh, but the trucks, of course, that descended upon our nation's capital and stayed there for quite some time. Uh, the police problems, the concerns, I mean, we've talked about a number of those incidents, and uh, our next guest is going to shed some light on this, as he has over the last couple of years, uh, as we cover the stories that were happening because of the convoy and the federal government's reaction to it. And to that point, in a uh, rather lengthy ruling that was published uh, yesterday, uh, Federal Justice Richard Mosley has found that the Freedom Convoy protests in early 2020, yes, were causing harm in Canada's economy and trade and commerce, but they did not rise to the level of a threat to the national security as defined by law. The bottom line, the upshoot here, is that the Emergencies Act was unnecessary. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Professor Michael Kempa. Michael, of course, is a, an associate professor in the Faculty of uh, Facu Social Sciences and Criminology at the University of Ottawa and an author, uh, by the way, of an upcoming book that we're, uh, is going to be, be talking about these issues in greater detail. First of all, Michael, great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, thank you, Bill. I'm glad to be here again. Uh, well, it kind of brought this back to the to front of mind, I guess, for an awful lot of us with all the other issues going on as we head towards this rather ominous uh, anniversary of this coming up in just a couple of weeks. First and foremost, were you surprised by the court's decision? So I'll have to say no. Um, you know, it's for the reason that Justice Mosley was operating in the federal court, unlike Justice Rulo, who was conducting an inquiry, which is a much broader thing. So... On the surface, it looks like we have two contradictory results. Justice Rulo says we had a protest that began legally, spiraled out of control because of inaction at the level of the cities, most especially Ottawa and the provincial government of Ontario, and that justified the federal government invoking the Emergencies Act. Mosley is actually in agreement with everything that Rulo says, right up to the point of saying that lack of action at the level of the cities and provinces, most especially Ottawa and Ontario, justifies the use of the EAA. Mosley simply is saying, the fact that you failed to use the laws on the books in Ottawa, in Ontario, doesn't mean that therefore the federal government is justified in bringing forward the Emergencies Act. So there's actually a lot in common, counterintuitively, between these two sets of decisions. It's the final outcome, which is different. And I know that, you know, some of the characterizations of, of people on both sides of this, civil liberties associations and others, uh, tried to make this a black and white issue. And I think Justice Mosley kind of said, look, there's a lot of gray here, too. Uh, he, he wrote, and I, I know you've read this already, I considered the events that occurred in Ottawa and other locations in January and February 2022 went beyond legitimate protest and reflected an unacceptable breakdown of public order. I had, a, I had and continue to have considerable sympathy for those in government who were confronted with the situation. As a matter of fact, he even said, he says, at the time, he says, if I were in a position of power, I probably would have invoked the act too. So, I mean, hindsight is 2020. Uh, and, and I, but that's exactly what Mosley, I guess, is, was charged to do was, was look at this, you know, step back a little bit and let's look at all of this. Uh, and the conclusions, as you say, may be different uh, from the commission, but the, the tone, I think, is very similar. Well, one simple thing around that is it's neither judge has said this was a slam dunk one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Rulo himself didn't say, oh, absolutely. You know, the Emergencies Act was completely justified. 
clear to even the casual observer. He said, oh, no, there's this extremely high threshold. The government comes very close to the threshold and they just managed to cross it. So it's legal, I guess, although very many people with the same facts might not even agree with me. Mosley is saying something very similar. He's saying, well, I understand why the government wanted to use the EA in this way. Uh, unfortunately, given the very, very high threshold, the justifications, although they're serious justifications, just don't quite get there. So then Mosley, in, in language which goes pretty far from how judges tend to speak, I'll refer people to paragraph 281 in his judgment. He basically says, look, if people want to use the Emergencies Act in this way, they're going to have to change it in precisely these ways. And he, he spells it out for you. He says you have to change the wording of the standards. And then he says, that's not for me to do as a judge. My job, job is to apply the law as it's written in black letters on this page. If you want to change the Emergencies Act in those ways, you're going to have to do so with that public discussion. In other words, you are indeed expanding government powers. You're going to do it in public. I'm not going to let you do it by stealth through the existing legislation, by kind of stretching it in ways that may make sense, but goes beyond what the original intentions of that act were. I, I, I only saw the overview of this, and I know you've read this extensively and studied it over the last 24 hours. So maybe you could clarify a couple of points that, and of issues that I had as, as I read over this, Michael. The first one being, I, I got the sense from uh, from what I read uh, that Mosley was essentially saying that, look, at the the way this thing rolled out after the act was, was put out there. Uh, and they cleared out the protest. He says that could have been done under the existing laws. He said the, one of the failures here, as I saw it anyway, was that the authorities in Ottawa and, and OPP and whomever else was involved in in, in the, the 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 policing of this, they're the fa they failed, and they simply said, okay, now we're going to use a sledgehammer. He seemed to 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 way I interpreted it anyway, Michael, suggest that they had the powers to do that already to clear that that area out in front of queens or out in front of the apartment buildings and oh, failed to absolutely. do absolutely well that's certainly the case and many of us including me who ultimately now it would appear incorrectly and i'll admit that i was in favor of the invocation of the emergencies act once things had got to that point but a bit like uh justice rullo my point was we should have been using our existing authorities all along. The same thing as Mosley is saying here. We know what these powers are. So many mistakes were made that allowed this maybe disruptive, but what began as legal protest to spiral out of control. So the first thing is, I mean, we as individual human beings have basically a right of movement and assembly and expression. We can go more or less almost wherever we want, providing it's not critical infrastructure or somebody else's private property, make our political points. But we're certainly not allowed to take our vehicles any which way where we might like to take them. We could have stopped trucks from bedding down in the central business district of Ottawa. We didn't do it because there was a misapplication of the belief that the charter right extended to bringing your truck anywhere that you might like in the city of Ottawa. You are not allowed to promote or incite hatred against identifiable groups of people in public space. You are not allowed to engage in blocking the use of property for its intended purposes for extended periods of time or intimidating identifiable groups of people, especially from accessing that property. 
had these laws been enforced, you would have had a protest that didn't metastasize to that point that it became embedded and impossible to move out. So along the course of this thing, uh, people like me were saying, well, we should be enforcing the limits of assembly and expression. And when that failed, we said, well, why don't we investigate using alternative means to move some of these vehicles? What about military aid to civil power where the army may help? Now, that was rejected for reasons we've subsequently learned about. They didn't have the right machinery in the army. It was only when we got to the point of, well, we're not really sure of what else to do. If the city or the province is not going to do something, we're going to have to invoke the Emergencies Act. Now, Mosley has said, I have sympathy for that view, but it's simply not legal. Failure to act is not a justification or the equivalent of inability to act. What that says to me is, we need a mechanism where if cities or provinces are failing to act, someone at the federal level can compel them to act, which is a power short of the Emergencies Act. So I don't know precisely what the form of that law might take, but it is a public reform that would be subject to scrutiny. So between myself and the civil liberties lawyers, they would be they would have said the invocation of the Emergencies Act was overreach right from the beginning. And they would see this ruling as very positive on the basis that it says the government did the wrong thing and it's forcing the government to undertake any reforms in full public view. So civil liberties unions and, and myself are in agreement right up to that point. Now, my proposals for reform would probably be to give the government the ability to either use the Emergencies Act or something like it in the same circumstances that it was used. And then the civil liberties lawyers would argue with me. The point is, all of that would now be done in public. It wouldn't be sort of secretly done by stretching legislation without really having that public discussion. In as much as this is a, maybe I'm, I'm overstating, a slap on the wrist of the federal government. In other words, you guys went too far uh, enacting this legislation. Is it like the Rouleau Commission was, uh, Michael, also a condemnation of, of Queens Park and, and, and other police, the Ottawa Police Agency, for instance, police services, uh, for their failure to do their job? And uh, in other words, they had the tools, both those entities, the OPP and the Ottawa Police had the tools and failed to do so. Uh, and, and I'm kind of getting the tone from Mosley's uh, report here that basically the federal government said, look, I guess we have to take this right now. And they used a sledgehammer to try to, to get after this thing and they didn't need to. But still, as, as Rulo indicated in his report, uh, Ottawa police and, and, and the OPP through Queen's Park need to be held accountable for this as well. Oh, bo uh, both reports are an indictment of every level of government, the city of Ottawa. The Ottawa Police Service, the civilian oversight body for the Ottawa Police Service, interactions between OPP and OPS, Ottawa Police, the provincial government, the Ottawa government, its mayor, his conflicts. It was just every level of government. Now, I think that in both reports, the subtext, which is not very subtle, is despite the fact that every level of government was not living up to its responsibilities, most especially the Ontario government, is the argument in both of them. The federal government could have done something without invoking the Emergencies Act, and that would have been straightforward political pressure in the public sphere 
to move those levels of government. Not everything has to be done through law, obviously, in politics. Calling people out in public rather than playing the games we learned were being played behind the scenes in trying to force people to act by little strategies to embarrass them in public, such as what came out in recordings uh, presented at the Rouleau Commission mm -hmm. between the mayor of Ottawa and the prime minister and so forth. Simply stated, Justin Trudeau could have come forward and said, look, the federal government, it's not our role to intervene directly in cities or provinces. We don't understand why the, the city of Ottawa and the Ford government are not executing on their legislated responsibilities. You are the premier. This is your first point of action. Do it. Now, that's a risky strategy. It takes leadership and guts. But unfortunately, if, really, if you want to be prime minister, you have to be prepared to make those types of moves. Here are Elliot Trudeau, Brian Mulroney, Jean Chrétien, Stephen Harper routinely called out provincial premiers for what they saw as their failure to act in circumstances. It's part of the job of being prime minister is to risk offending people at certain stages rather than just take the legalistic route. And, and I know we talked about that at the time as things were unfolding, but uh, I, and I totally agree with your, your observation here that, uh, you know, holding behind closed door meetings uh, and, and trying to get, you know, depositions through people or having conversations uh, that don't become part of the public record. It basically gives those officials, Michael, uh, a, a, an easy role to slither off the hook and simply say, it's not my job. You can say that in front of the microphones, although you might have said something totally different during that 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 phone call with the prime minister or with the premier, or whatever the case might be. Uh, I'm hoping one of the offshoots of this is going to be uh, a more public uh, persona of these individuals and a more public airing of the differences and the responsibilities here, because that that didn't happen at all during the Ottawa stronghold. No, it's it certainly didn't, not at all. And you know, really. This is what getting down to a federation of provinces with a federal government is, is all about in, in Canada. The federal government can't just run roughshod over the provinces routinely when anything goes slightly sideways um, in any province. I mean, they would lose all of their votes in that particular province almost instantly, particularly if it was in Alberta or Quebec. So... I understand that fine line, but on matters of national leadership and coordination, you simply got to do it and take that political risk. Well, and I know that on a broader scale, we've had discussions about, you know, as you say, provincial versus federal powers, you know, healthcare and a number of different, uh, you know, initiatives where they'll say, look, at it's my province that I want to do things our way. Uh, and the federal government, I guess, you know, sometimes acquiesces, sometimes doesn't. We have to ask ourselves, I guess, in this country, are, are we uh, a, a group of, of just 11 different provincial provinces and, and territorial uh, agencies that, that, you know, that exist co in, in, in some ways? Or is there a strong central government in Ottawa? And uh, I, I don't know that we got a clear answer on that based on, on the testimony we got during the Rulo Commission and certainly on Mosley's ruling here. Oh, no, it, it, we, the only answer we got is that we have a, a poorly functioning federal system where... You know, in the end, if levels of government don't live up to their responsibilities and they kick it up to the federal government indirectly, it is unfortunately a bit of a good political strategy because it allows people to skate away in the end. Headlines today are all Trudeau government violated the charter in invoking the Emergencies Act. There's no headline that says 
rulings confirm that the city of Ottawa and province of Ontario completely uh, uh, were, were derelict in their responsibilities and, and did not allow this situation to spiral out of control. So the, there's plenty of blame to go around, but a lot of it has been um, missed the city and provincial level. It's a good strategy. I mean, Doug, Doug Ford, as you know, refused to participate in the Rouleau Commission. These issues, people hear about it, they get upset for a day or two, and then they forget about it. But this headline, that Justin Trudeau violated the charter, will be a millstone around his neck uh, for the duration of his political career, however long or short that may be. Let's talk a little bit about the implication of this. Uh, you know, okay, they're, they're liable, they did the wrong thing, etc., uh, and there's a concern here by, about civil action now by some of the participants. Uh, from my reading on this anyway, Justice Mosley seemed to address that by saying, yes, they were wrong to invoke the act, uh, but they did not infringe upon the rights of the people that were protesting. He pretty much said, look, it, don't take this too far. They may have done something wrong, but don't you guys come back to them as, as a grief parties and say that, well, you, you trampled on my rights because he said that did not happen. And, and that's the way I read it anyway. That's true for all, I would say, all of the alleged charter violations, except for the freezing of the bank accounts, which yeah, relates yeah. to um, unreasonable search and seizure of property. We have a charter right against that. Now, given that one was confirmed to have been an unreasonable charter violation in particular, if people can show damages, they had missed opportunities, uh, if they were unable to pay their rent and were evicted, if they... Uh, were unable to meet spousal or child support payments under court order. It's now a criminal offense that they violated the court. This is a problem. So they might be able to seek damages. And I expect people will come out of the woodwork uh, looking at precisely that. But doesn't that kind of circle around to to what Mosley talked about right in the beginning in his overview of this whole thing, that, that yes, it was the wrong thing to do, uh, especially in light of the fact that everything that they did to clear out Ottawa, to clear out in front of the apartment buildings, to clear out uh, the, the streets around uh, the Capitol, uh, could have been done without invoking the act. In other words, it, it, those those laws already existed, and all of that could have happened uh, without invoking the act. And as a matter of fact, invoking the act is what also gave them uh, the authority, as you say, to freeze bank accounts. And and that was the oversight, and that was the, the overstepping right now. That And again, it kind of goes back to the inability of, of, of police, both local and provincial, to do their job properly. And a failure of leadership. I mean, you, as you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, uh, you got to have a backbone, and you got to make tough calls. And and this, I, I, I agree with you. I, I feel badly the fact that uh, the, the former Ottawa mayor, uh, the former chief of police of Ottawa, uh, the premier of the province of Ontario, are also culpable in this whole situation. But uh, the, looking at the headlines, as you have, and seeing some of the comments on social media over the last little while, uh, they seem to have escaped uh, the, the 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 observations of of this report here right now. And everybody seems to be focused on the federal government, and and that's not to to diminish the the culpability and and the responsibility the federal government had. Uh, but Mosley and, and the Rural Commission, I think, both indicated that this is a failure of the whole system, not, and they were only one participant in that system. That's right. It was a, ch a, a chain reaction of failures, basically, a whole linked series of failures. And each link in that chain bears an element of responsibility. So when we talk about, say, leadership of the police, it's not just the former chief, Peter Slowly. There were issues between his upper level command and himself that were undermining what was going on at OPS. There were errors made 
at the level of the chief, but also his subcommand in dealing with Ontario Provincial Police. I think, though, that the thing is, when policing goes wrong in a municipality, it is unambiguous across Canada that provinces are meant to step in. Uh, because all of our police acts across Canada say that provinces are responsible for ensuring adequate and effective policing in their municipalities, municipalities obviously being creatures of provincial legislation. So what should have happened? And it's really not more complicated than this. When things started to go sideways in Ottawa, there should have been immediate assistance from the office of the attorney general sent to the police services board in Ottawa to provide advice and direction to them on navigating this extraordinary set of crisis circumstances. And if they deemed that there was such a problem with the Ottawa police upper levels of command that it had become dysfunctional, the province could have simply said, we are making the decision on behalf, we're overriding your board, and we are saying there's going to be a joint command, OPP, OPS, put in place a plan, the OPP and OPS will design it, we will not design it, and run with it. That's, in fact, the very simple way that, that was supposed to have worked. Now, the Ford government, we're beating up on them a little bit at the moment because it's easy, but no Ontario provincial government has ever done a good job on managing police emergencies because they've been very timid to step in in exactly the way that it's clear they're supposed to. Talk about any of these crises, G20 in Toronto, Hipper Wash. You, you can go back over generations of policing protest disasters, not even just limited to Ontario, APEC and Vancouver. Uh, no provincial government has ever stepped in in the authoritative way that they're supposed to do when policing goes fundamentally sideways. And this is in legislation. It's not that they're usurping or grabbing any powers. These are existing powers. And this is exactly what uh, both Rouleau and Mosley were alluding to when they said they just didn't do it. They didn't act on their existing authorities. So it takes guts. So we need guts at the provincial level as well. Uh, are you uh, optimistic that, that those discussions are going to happen? Or are people going to admit that that's part of the shortcoming that needs to be addressed here? Or do they simply shove that under the carpet because they really don't want to touch uh, a very uncomfortable situation? Carpet. Uh, on the basis <laughs> that we've had 50 years of this, of similar breakdowns in, in the governance of civil disobedience and, and protest. Report after inquiry after report going back to the McDonald Commission, looking into the FLQ crisis and the policing of Quebec separatism in the 1970s. Nobody's ever touched it. Current federal government, think about their track record on major democratic reform. So electoral reform, reform to the RCMP. Something tells me we might be left waiting on major reform to the Emergencies Act by the current government. The provincial government of, the four, of, of Doug Ford we had new policing legislation in 2018 brought into effect by the Wynn government, repealed by the Ford government. They brought their legislation forward in 2019. 2024, it's still not proclaimed. Still working on regulations four years, almost five years later on that piece of legislation. To tackle this can of worms, no sitting government will want to do it because they figure they'll be out of office before they ever finish Exactly. Uh, Michael, always a pleasure to have you on the program and get your insights into this. Thanks so much for this today. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you kindly, Bill.
Take care. Professor Mike Kepp from uh, University of Ottawa. And that's it. That's Bill Kelly podcast. That's the way we see it uh, for this edition. More to come on this and many other issues. Until next time, take care. Bill Kelly podcast brought to you by Wizens Law, personal injury lawyers. Listen, you didn't choose to get injured, but you can choose the right lawyer. Wizens Law, 905-522-1102 or wizenslaw.com.